0: We may have explored the frontiers of space, in Colony in Space, but now we're exploring the frontier in space, dear. <laughs> <Stop laughing. oires> oh, frontier in space. What happens, dear? Not stop A- laughing like A- that. A- A- you A- don't deserve
1: to K- laugh like that in this episode. Uh, I... Well, at all. What happens in this episode, dear? Okay, well, we see a ship flying through space, and we see some men in khaki and balloons at the same time uh, piloting. It is an it. amazing uniform. It is a uniform. Um, and they're talking about how there probably isn't going to be a war, but then something is stealing from Earth, and Earth is stealing from them, and then they go into hyperspace, but then out of it again so that they don't hit another thing that's in front of them, and it winds up being the TARDIS. Oh, um, man. The TARDIS landed, and it seems to be landed on the ship now. Joe and the Doctor are arguing a bit. They need to get back to Earth. Joe notices that they've got bulk flour on this, because someone really needs to make a cake before she looks outside and sees another ship that gets weird for a bit and changes shape. Doctor, look, it's a spaceship. And he's like, don't worry about it. He's like, yes, it's a spaceship. (laughs) Yes. And then he's like, don't worry about it. And... The guy driving tries to contact the ship and it makes a noise at them and it apparently is the Draconians which is the people that were stealing ship from them. Time to call to Earth. Ask for help. Doctor goes to talk to the crew. Instead, a weird noise makes them think he's a dragon. Draconian. And Joe uh, thinks that the pilot is a drashing. Which is a thing that we've had in previous episodes. Remember from the previous Yes, I remember. Thank you. It was a good episode. The other ship has them lock on and will destroy if need be, if they don't fucking let them on the ship. So the so lock the doctor in the hold and we'll deal with him in a bit. Uh hey Earth, help us please. We're being attacked. And a woman comes in and goes, please don't steal our ships, and she's the president of everything, Earth. And Madam President sends the dude off to survey some stuff while the draconian uh ambassador is like this dude hates us why are you talking to him i can't trust you at all and they basically go back and forth going please no war and they're like well we don't want war you want war and they're like no we, you don't want we don't want war you want war sort of shit and it's it's that and then i want war the doctor can see the tardis through the jail cell and he's like oh that's good meanwhile the draconians are jamming the radio and the two pilots argue about war again and we learn that the arctic is livable as well as other stuff and the earth is changing and they also know about the draconians attack for some reason and madam president's like what the fuck why why is this here general what the fuck and then the draconians are meanwhile cutting through the ship but they're like weird and hairy and not draconian like and then the doctor is messing with his screwdriver and they get to his door open only to find a dude right there at the door. And he's like, oh, this is weird. Um, now to use the doctor and Joe's meat shields while the door opens, because that's of course a good plan. The Ogrons are the one at the door. Oh, they <gasps> Ogrons. They, they shoot the doctor. He's dead. Um, the doctor wakes up. Actually, Yay. he's oh. okay. Then they throw oh. the doctor and Joe in a room, look for the TARDIS they took the TARDIS, they took the flower, they took everything. And Joe's here. And the sound that they used is so sophisticated that if it were to be, um, heard, it causes fear and stuff. And then that's too sophisticated for the Ogrons. They're mercenaries who hired them. I don't know. They even repaired the door. That's weird. Another ship is coming towards them, ready to board the other ship. It's a battle cruiser from Earth! But wait, how did they get on board? The Doctor and Joe, they're traitors, they're stowaways, helping Draconians and that's the episode.
0: Oh my god! Earth wants to kill everyone. Yup So this episode is a great episode. Frontier in Space A it's it's a good episode for multiple reasons. Um First of all the one thing that a lot of people jump to when they they think, okay, it's a story in the seventies between two powers that are almost equal in measure, and uh, so it, here here I'll put I'll put this question to you, dear. So we have two superpowers in the galaxy, both poised to easily destroy the other, uh-huh. but are currently at peace,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and but there are still tensions between them. They're still going at each other a little bit. Mm-hmm. What does that remind you of?
1: Every war ever.
0: The Cold so War. So, in the 1900s, there was a little thing called Europe. Little, little thing called Europe. Uh, we all love it. Uh, well, some people love it, some people don't. Um... And this, a, a lot of people would in, instantly go, "Oh, well, this is a Cold War analogy," or "Oh, this is some sort of World War Two analogy." Uh, the answer is no. Um, this was more kind of analogous to uh, Anglo-Spanish relations between like Elizabeth the First and and uh, you know that whole thing with Spain. <laughs> That's what? all in the past they though, now, right? They never did anything um,
1: to Spain. What are you talking about? <laughs>
0: No, it's fine. It's, it's fine. Um, plus, also, throwing in more, sort of, late 19th century Europe. Uh, the original script for this had a lot more, sort of, overt things about it. Like, draconians were, sort of, surrogate Habsburgs. Uh, and it was, sort of, meant to be, sort of, like, the lead-up to World War One type deal. Um, the, the final version obscures it a bit, but it's hardly surprising, considering, you know, they, uh... Obscure a lot of things in 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 these types of stories because they have to rewrite a hype of shit. Um, especially since you know superpower conflict, that tends to in the seventies especially in eighties tends to boil down to cold war. So a lot of people just kind of directed it towards that, even though it really wasn't. Um, the the way it's described is its vision of empire versus empire is so obviously seen through the filter of James Bond, um, <laughs> like there there is a there is a lot of espionage and and sneaking around and secret plots going on um it it uh does quite have some parallels with the way Star Trek tells sorts of stories but Doctor Who has more of a humanist angle than Star Trek does Star Trek is more of a utopian angle of you know uh space communism uh utopia whereas Doctor Who is more like no, let's be more realistic about what humans are, and, like, as great as Utopia would be, come on. We're, humans are terrible. Uh, it's not going to end great. Uh, which is why you get, sort of, uh, things like mentioning uprisings, and and uh, anti draconian protests, etc, etc. Uh, and also, surprise, surprise! Considering this is an episode about empires and and superpowers and injustices, you'll be surprised here. It's written by Malcolm Hulk, Um mm. who, you know, as we've mentioned before, is a mem a, a staunch was a staunch communist, an actual communist uh, in in Britain, and uh, it this story sort of hits a little bit close to home for him. Because it's the kind of thing where, like, you have this sort of shadow boxing across Europe of these powers, uh, trying to decide like who's really big game and who's who's really going to control the continent. Um, and you sort of have like this sort of pseudo espionage going on. And sort of after the espion- the the, the um, armistice in uh, World War One, you have this massive crackdown on um, left wing leaning uh, sympathies in like Britain and France. Um, because, you know, the Bolshevik uprising was happening in Russia and they were like, uh, let's make sure something like that doesn't happen in our country. So you have, um, like, you have, like, Scarlet Pimpernel-style raids to, uh, free sympathetic nobility in Russia to sort of free them because Britain and France were like, uh, that could happen to us. Let's not let that happen. Um. And they were like, we can free them and have assets. Uh, so you have people like the First Lord of the Admiralty, who was uh, uh, noted, uh, this is controversial to some people, but noted fascist, Winston Churchill, uh, uh, overseeing it all, and uh, subsequently had a massive clampdown on left-wing uh, sympathies and sympathisers in Britain, uh, to the point where like, Malcolm Hulk's friends and family were part of that crackdown. And uh, it's uh, not a good time to be left-leaning in uh, Europe, that's for certain, uh, because, uh, you know, what's about to happen. But um, anyway, we'll, we'll continue more about what this episode is and where it comes from in the history of Europe after Deer explains what happens in the next episode.
1: Well, I mean, it's time to go into the hole again, you're under arrest again, again, again. Hell um, Yeah! Joe is trying to figure out a way out, and she's like, I don't know why they think they're, we're lying. He's like, their memory changed, so they don't know any better. And the general is to go down and deal with the offboarding and not do anything evil at all, he says to Madam President. Well, Joe and the doctor are taken out to see him, and he's like, you're draconian agents, obviously. So now the president wants to see the doctor, but there's no proof of war, so they need to figure it out. The doctor then tells a story about how he told the truth so hard his captors round, ran out of truth-finding machines. And then the draconians Not are- some s- mind probe! <laughs> are still saying this is bullshit, and the doctors brought it, in and they go, Who the fuck is this? And, like, you should know who this is. And they're like, No, what the fuck? And then he's like, Well, what if I'm telling the truth, though? And they're like, no, it's nonsense. No big deal. Time to torture you. Uh... Time to try to get out of our cell instead by setting off an alarm and then realizing we can't leave, so we sit down and do nothing. And the tri- draconians are trying really hard to figure out who's telling the truth and who's not, and they want to question the doctor. And the draconians call to the president and want to question them in, fr- in front of the president uh, to make sure everything's, like, good. And while being taken there, Joe and the doctor are under attack by draconians as well as everybody else. The Doctor is taken by the Draconians, Joe by the humans, and so keep everything silent, please, and bring Joe in so I can talk to her, says the President. And then Joe tries her best to tell the truth, and she's like, yeah, I don't believe you. And then the Doctor, of course, is being questioned too, and they mention that the General's insane, and, like, that you can't trust him. And the Doctor says, okay, well, someone hired Ogrons to start shit because we saw him, and you are like, what? Then the doctor makes a fucking what? break for it, gets away, gets captured again, and we hear that weird sound from before Uh, that starts up, and then the Ogrons do an attack on him, and that's the episode. <laughs> pew, 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 it's pew, more pew. like activating your tinnitus for an hour straight.
0: Yeah, the early 70s are really bad about that, unfortunately.
1: You um, don't fucking say.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's unfortunate, but um, thankfully... I mean, honestly, in future, what we could do is you could just mute it when it does that, and I could tell you when it's done. Mm.
1: I'll figure it out.
0: Um, so, uh, first of all, uh, the president of Earth being a woman was Terrence Sticks, the script editor's decision. He wanted the president to be a woman. And Malcolm Hulk was like, okay, if we have a woman as president, she's not the first one. Uh they were very careful to to not write it as like as the first female president. He was like, No, no, the future's gonna be great. Like, like, the future's not gonna be a utopia, but like, you know, women's suffrage is going to extend to the point where it's like you know, like we'll 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 be separated from the 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 and sort of sexism that we are somewhat in right now, somewhat being the 70s, which, you know, sexual revolution and everything. Um, And then, you know, the oncoming uh, dark cloud that is Margaret Thatcher, Mm -hmm. uh, who, don't worry, they get to a little bit. Um, But, um, yeah, that, that was a little thing here and there uh just another sort of point of mind of where writers of classic Doctor Who were at. like it it it's it's why this sort of thing to me when people are always like uh you look at you know Doctor Who YouTubers and stuff like that nowadays or like Doctor Who's gotten too political to with its identity politics and everything and it's like hey <laughs> Have you watched the original series? Like, it was written by literal communists. It was very left-leaning as a show. Um, It's always been political about messages of, you know, conflict and peace and tolerance and uh, siding with the oppressed rather than the oppressor. Like, that's what Doctor Who has always been. Um, So to, to say... I don't know call identity politics and shit like that is like come on, I mean there is an argument to make that uh, someone like Stephen Moffat is terrible at writing uh, female characters and mm-hmm. goes off into what I would argue is actual shitty identity politics. You know the sort of like faux progressive hiding behind look, I have a woman in this role, isn't it great? Anyway, women be shopping, am I right? <laughs> um, yeah, Stephen. Uh, Moffat is a terrible writer for a lot of reasons. Um, he's good at writing individual episodes, but anyway, I've gone off on a tangent.
1: Yes,
0: you have. So, after the success of The Sea Devils, uh, Barry Litz and Terrence Dix wanted to start a drama series about the Royal Navy. Um, unfortunately they were told someone else beat them to the punch. Um, but they were both trying to see their way off Doctor Who now. They were like, yeah, we want to do more things. Um... So they were like, okay, Uh, they're going to stay there for another two years as they're trying to leave, by the way. Um, They're like, okay, uh, the series is on a roll, changing the stuff is a little bit too risky. So they were like, okay, um, why don't we have a plan B then? And their plan B was this. So back in the 60s, we had to skip this episode, unfortunately, because a lot of the episodes in it are actually missing, Uh, but it is an amazing episode to watch, and I really hope they fucking animated already and get it out because people need to fucking watch it. Um, The Daleks Master Plan, which is an amazing ten-part story episode, one episode of which aired on Christmas Day, and the reasoning behind it was uh, people would be too busy uh, eating Christmas dinner and talking with their loved ones to care about what's on the TV, they'll just want something on in the background, so an entire episode basically is almost non-canon of kind of nothing happening, but not really nothing happening, because at the end of the episode, the Doctor turns to the camera and says, Oh, Merry Christmas to everyone, to all of us, and to you out there too, and points at the camera. It's great. It's... The Daleks Master Plan is great, and, uh, I love it, and I want it to be uh, remade. But, uh... Terrence Sticks and Barry Letts were like, okay, they did the Daleks master plan back then. It was a massive episode with like a hyper things going on. We want our version of that. We want a massive story that people will uh, like look at and have hyper things happening. Um and then essentially uh people at the, the the director that they brought in was like, "I'm sorry, what you want me to direct 12 episode story?" Uh, what the fuck? People aren't going to pay be able to pay attention for 12 weeks on one single story. Like, that's... that just doesn't fly anymore. Like, that that shit... no, don't do that. Um, and they were like, okay, fine. What if we split the two episodes into six parts each, and we have it, instead of a giant 12-part story, we have chapter one of a story and chapter two of a story. And they're like, okay, yeah, that works. So that's how we get this episode and the next episode. Um But a lot of um the sort of political intrigue and sort of set design sort of uh philosophy and uh story story writing in this episode was a lot of setup for the show that they would eventually go on to actually do called Moonbase 3, which is um aged poorly it's a, a <laughs> it's about uh i believe earth's third moon base in the distant future of 2003 dear uh-huh. um you know that distant future um but we'll talk a bit more about behind the scenes and stuff after dear completes the next episode so what happens in the next episode dear
1: well, the humans attack them and steal the doctor and back, and the president doesn't want to go start a war still, and the general threatens to replace her because of it. And she's like, all right, well, I'm going to break up relations, but we're not going to do a war because they don't want to do that. And then they put the doctor under a lie detector, and he's like, okay, cool, here's the truth. And they're like, you're, you're lying, probably. Why is this machine broken, right? Um, let's turn it up to 12. Your brain is going to be oopsie-poopsie-goo. And they're like, yeah, sure. And so he's like, all right, what is the truth? And he's like, this is the truth. And the machine breaks and the general's angry. So now the president calls mm-hmm. for the doctor to talk to him again. Tell me the truth, please. And she's like, I'm even going to double whatever they're paying you. And he's like, all right, I'm telling you the truth, though. And she's like, all right, off to moon jail you go. Uh, we'll keep Joe here. Take care of her. You're not even going to say goodbye. You're going to jail instantly. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. A man. No. Uh, talks to the doctor and he's like there's thousands of political prisoners here they just send us here now and he meets some douchebag who steals a dude's chocolate and it's like what the fuck and then the governor who works here is like sup you can never leave there's hardcore criminals apparently that they hired to keep the political prisoners in line the general has now faked an entire criminal record for them I thought and they call in the commissioner (sighs) it's the master the doctor, uh, shut the fuck what? up! What? Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! I hate this. The doctor is going to plan an escape temp. The master really wants the doctor and Joe to come to trial on his terms. General doesn't want that to happen, but he's like, "Listen, I am this, that, this. I here's my uh, uh uh my paperwork. Uh, bye." And then the master heads over to talk to Joe and. She's like, what? And then Joe doesn't want to go with them, but then literally he admits to hiring the Ogrons and starting the war. And he only knew they were here because he had their TARDIS, so they leave together. Doctor Meanwhile explains everything that's happening on Earth. Someone believes him in the prison. The dude who believes him, though, is going to steal the Master's ship because the criminal dude that stole the chocolate is helping him so they're gonna escape, but then they have to steal spacesuits to walk across the moon to get there, so he's like, alright, I'm gonna ditch my friend and take the doctor instead. F- fuck yeah. And the two of them are talking amongst each other, and the criminal dude, pulls the switch while they're getting in their suits and getting ready, and they're like, weird. This canister and this canister are empty. They better- we better not release all the oxygen and head back outside. Oh, wait- The oxygen's releasing, and the door's locked. Oh, we're gonna die. Oh, well. Goodbye. And that was the episode. Oh, well. You ever just die? Yeah. I actually, yeah.
0: Well, for more than a few minutes.
1: Does multiple times count? Um. Oh, no,
0: we'll have to contact the death about that and see see what see what see what she thinks Uh um by the way death is an actual character in Doctor Who I don't um, care and she okay um she's gonna say she has written up contracts with the Master and the Doctor from when they were children anyway um Uh, so, so basically they, they, they dubbed this, this and the next story, the, the, uh, what they like to call their master plan, uh, number two, uh, Doctor Who master plan number two, uh, only this time they had glorious, uh, color separation overlay, uh, uh, with as much of the show's past in it as possible. Um, they had a chat with the director and they were like, okay, uh, 12 weeks is too long. What about we do this instead? Um. But you got to remember, they also had, uh, because Terry Nation is the creator of the Daleks, he had uh, first right of refusal on every script, uh, including the Daleks, so he was very stringent. Uh, he was able to basically say, nope, don't want this as a story for them. Uh, he was always a bit uh, iffy about um, having them fight other monsters, uh, but thankfully he got won over. And he was okay with it. Um, another sort of weird tidbit is that an idea they had thrown around was that initially it was meant to be the Cybermen instead of the Ogrons, who would be helping the Master, which it makes no sense. But they don't really know, ever know what to do with the Cybermen, to be honest. Um, there's only a few episodes that they are like, oh, this is a good fit for the Cybermen. And then the rest of the time they're just like, what's a villain we can use? Cybermen. And it's like, this they don't make sense in this story, but, you know, whatever. Um, uh, instead, what they went with was this whole six-month thing and they went with the Ogrons instead. Uh, they obviously went with uh, Malcolm Hulk because they—well, he's a great writer for this sort of thing. Uh, and were like, okay, well, we'll bring the Master back. Uh, and obviously we'll bring the Ogrons back because they were a massive hit with the kids and also the costumes were still in storage and they hadn't been thrown out or destroyed so it would be easy for them to actually do without having to pay any, any extra money to make new ones. Um, they also, initially, it was meant to be... uh Instead of draconians it was meant to be andromedans and it was meant to be intergalactic war but then they decided that's a little bit too much we need to rein it in a little bit um it needs to make more sense so the draconians were created who surprise surprise are a little bit draconian themselves shocking um i know right uh but we'll talk about the draconians in a bit what happens in the next episode dear
1: well, meanwhile, we see another person open the door. It's the master. Doctor tries to say, we need to figure out who tried to kill us, and they go, okay, well, that's your own fault. Um, So now, solitary confinement for a year, but the master wants the doctor, right? Nope, he's committed offense here on the, p- on the prison, so he has to stay here for a year. Master has a the theory about it, that they're telling the truth, and the dude helped them, and the dude who runs the place helps them, and he's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And the doctor now gets to go with the master for some weird reason. Hmm, and now he's like, well, for on what charges? And he's like, uh, jaywalking, avoiding your taxes, paying too many taxes, paying not enough taxes, and so on and so forth. And paying just the right amount of taxes? But at the wrong time? Um, He's like, hey, I have Joe, come with me. And he's like, fuck, okay. Listen, I need you for some reason and also you're in a police ship, don't escape, you can't do it. Meanwhile, Doctor and Joe formulate a plan while Master goes to head off to Planet Oaken. Doctor and Joe are talking about his crimes with the Time Lords while sawing, he's sawing their way out with a metal, uh, like, tiny saw, basically. And he starts to read the war, and the Doctor's, not the Doctor, the Master starts to read the warl. Words are hard. The, ma- <laughs> are the master starts to read the War of the Worlds book, which yes. <laughs> and <laughs> s-
0: Clever, I think.
1: So, No, so the doctor gets through. So Joe makes the camera only focus yes. on her for a while and he leaves. No, Joe is annoying so much that he, the master turns her down and just focuses all really hard on his book. And the doctor has a full spacesuit on now, does a spacewalk, while Joe just keeps talking, and he, uh, like, is doing some stuff, but a sensor goes off, and the master's like, I gotta make a really rough course correction, be right back. And the doctor gets thrown off while he does that. And Joe's like, I'm crying, but don't worry about it, I'm just freaking out, because a lot's happened, and the doctor's asleep, don't worry about it. So the master goes to check, doctor, meanwhile... Uh, crawls back onto the ship by using his oxygen as a way to propel himself back to the ship not like the ship would be going thousands of miles an hour or anything um it's right. it's fine uh huh and then it's a magic spaceship I don't care the <sighs> The master comes in and he's like, What the fuck? Where's the doctor? And Joe's crying over a blanket and he kicks it and he's like, That's not him. Where is he? And he's like, well, well, we probably killed him because, you know, he wanted to go to the flight deck, but he, you know, you killed him. And then he's like, All right, well, go in this airlock. And then the doctor, like, slaps the master with the belt uh, a little bit. And uh, while the ship, well, another ship flies towards them, by the way. Someone really needs to let Joe out, so the master's like, give me my blaster, and she's not gonna die. Well, we see the Draconians have boarded the ship! Uh, because this is hey. Draconian airspace, and now the penalty is death. Uh, so, actually, hey, no, let's take you to Draconia instead, and then the master goes to take a nap, and he has his beacon going off, because of course he does. Uh, it's calling to the ogrons. And then that's the episode.
0: Oh God, no! That's mm. that. Oh, oh no! That's that's some things happening for certain. Um, <sighs> ain't it painful? Yes. When you see oxygen flying in space, <sighs> and you're like, "No, that's not oxygen."
1: Really? And that? Okay, that's the thing you're upset about. Not the fire. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Um. <laughs> okay.
0: So, uh, real quick, the moon base. We gotta talk about the moon base, because one of the obvious sort of things that leaps out about the moon base is, uh, it's very Botany Bay-esque. Uh, very, very Australia, um, in the way it's basically just a, uh, a... a sort of a a place for them to, uh, basically store all their prisoners. Um, also the, the sort of detail of the peace party sort of organizing in, uh, in, in, whilst their leader is in exile is very much similar, uh, to, to Trotsky's travels whilst he was, you know, out. (laughs) Um... Uh, but, yeah, the, the the moon base is very much um, uh, a, we- a weird design and also kind of just, like, skipped through it some weirdly. Like, uh, all of the prisoners and everyone are wearing, like, like karate outfits, like, geese. It's kind of unnerving, even, like, the governor's wearing it. It's like, it makes no real sense. Like, I understand what the point is wearing sort of lighter uh, clothes, because, you know, getting stuff up there and rockets and stuff would be hard. But it's like, you could have gone with more loose fitting clothes, or something like designed around the fact that they're geese or whatever. Um, But yeah, the Draconians. uh, They uh, were designed with the fact of they wanted people to see they they wanted the actors to be able to have uh, eye contact and also you know be able to actually speak without trouble considering they've had some trouble in the past with some monsters being terrible with the whole having to speak thing um uh John Pertwee uh was having a conversation with an actor who was in uh his uh, draconian getup and at one point he just completely forgot that it was wearing makeup Uh, Because it was just, you know, it blended so well and allowed the actor to actually talk without completely moving the mask around, like, certain masks. Um, But supposedly also another one of those, like, urban myth-type stories that they had whilst recording is that um, uh, a a homeless man was walking past the studios while they were uh, recording, uh, saw a draconian, and instantly started praying... Uh, because he thought it was real <laughs> the validity of that I'm not certain um who knows, but it's interesting to think about nonetheless um yeah he he apparently woke up drunk and just started praying to it mm-hmm. uh, which okay um but yeah the Dr- draconians are an interesting species. Uh, You don't really see much of them, and you don't really see much of them ever again, which is kind of frustrating to me, because I feel like they're a good race to do stuff with. There's some good audio adventures with them, um, involving specifically, like, their history and their culture and everything, and sort of their their practice of of, of stringent sort of aggression, etc. But uh, this is the only story with them in it, so oh well um but uh yeah what happens
1: in the next episode yeah uh well it's time to land and the master is weirdly happy about it so that can't be good we see sun draconian saying we should attack it's that seems fun and dad goes no doctor comes up and goes i'm a noble draconian lol from 500 years ago and they're like what all right sure Hey, the Master wants to start a war using Ogrons, but then there's the ship landing here from Earth. Oh, that's weird. Maybe we should let it land. But it's the Ogrons that landed, and they all see them as Earthmen, of course, and everybody's attacking. And then when the weird noise fades away as they all run away with the Master, the King sees a dead Ogron and understands what's up. Uh, so why does the Master want war? That's weird. Stop speaking, woman! You're, like, a woman! Before the leader's like, nah, it's fine. And then they, they're they going to go take the master's prisoner ship, and his son will go with them. Meanwhile, the Ogrons are breaking. The Ogron is breaking out of his cell, the one that they have. Uh,
0: and he's doing just
1: fine. But the master but I don't is now following them in his ship because he just doesn't want to, like, get the information out because there was a dead Ogron, right? Or, not dead. Knocked out Ogron. Um, so that's gonna just get rid of all of his plans. Uh, so th- we aren't gonna want to use a rocket because that's boring. So, they pretend to be Earth-space police and ask to board the place. But instead, now that they're enraged, they launched a missile! But it's evasive time! whoo. But the ogron and the cell has escaped and forced the ship to slow down, so they want to take the doctor alive now. So we have a gunfight, and then there's an actual Earth battle cruiser, so the master's like, bye. Steel Joe, bye. Uh, doctor begs for them to go after the master, and he's like, you literally are in a stolen ship. We're arresting you, and he's like, fine! Whatever. <sighs> Meanwhile, the draconians are trying to reason with the president, but she still has no proof. Why are we going to expect them to help? Get help from the general who's a piece of shit. Uh, there were a billion problems back and forth, but the general did fuck up a ship that one time that was unarmed, and she's like, "What the fuck?" So the general is gonna lead an expedition himself to find proof that they don't want war. Joe is now in the Ogron prison, and the TARDIS is here too, and the Master's here too. He tries to hypnotize her, fills her mind with she fills her minds with nonsense in order to counteract it. And then he decides to fuck her up in the fear centers of her brain instead. And then that's the episode. Oh my god, Joe is fighting back and
0: she's doing a fucking good job. I love
1: Joe. Yeah.
0: Joe's great. Um. <sighs> oh boy. Oh, oh boy, indeed. Um, so supposedly we have well we have a few actors in this that are in some other things but you don't know about that and probably don't care yeah. um, uh, another thing is the final two episodes of it were made completely out of order largely because the uh, draconian makeup for the throne moon scene was completely expected to be time consuming and it was Um, so, like, okay, we need to do this in a specific thing. They had to delay episode six. Uh, they had to record on Halloween in the end, because they delayed it so much. Um, uh, they, uh, had someone, like, uh, they had a photographer on set from something, and he snapped some photos of things, and it was like, no, you're not meant to snap a photo of that, don't do that, uh... Uh, you had uh, Roger DeGaldo sort of just reading papers in a quiet moment whilst everyone was preparing. Uh, uh, puppeteers preparing to operate like the Drashig and everything because they were trying to do all these things at once with like the Drashig and then the Sea uh, the Sea Devil, like to, to pop it all up in the, the fear box moment. Um, uh, they also had Episode 5's cliffhanger shot with Episode 6 because they were trying to get things done as fast as fucking possible. Uh, They were asked by the director to help devise a better lead-in to the next story, for chapter two, essentially. Uh, so, his- his ending- we'll talk about it after Deer explains what happens, but his ending is a bit, um, uh, weird. Uh, (laughs) quite weird. Um... So instead, they went with what they went with, which is why in the final episode, and dear noticed it as well. There is a weird edit where they essentially changed a lot of in the in the final episode. Um, uh, they the, so we'll get on with that. But also, just before um, editing of these episodes uh, began, a couple of days after filming, just before they started filming the three doctors, um, Barry Letts was not happy with the ending still. Uh, Terrence Dix had been working with Terry Nation on revisions for the next story, uh, and they they drafted a better sort of dovetail uh, with that story start with this sort of ending, uh, so to, to interwoven them better. Um, and it was sort of they had recorded it in the January, ready for the next story already, because you know it kind of leads in. Um, And Roger DeGaldo wasn't really needed, which is a shame because, unfortunately, this is the last episode that Roger DeGaldo is in uh, because, unfortunately, a few months after this, he was in a horrific car accident that, unfortunately, claimed his life. Um, Initially, there was going to be another story. I can't remember if it's this season or next season that was going to be, like, a finale, sort of, for The Master where it was going to be the doctor versus the master and in the end the master sacrifices himself for the doctor um mm-hmm. but unfortunately Roger DeGaldo um was uh, lost his life so they were unable to record the episode and they sort of just leave it at that sort of they leave the master to his fate and just we can't really do anything anymore um so that's the master uh hope you enjoyed him dear <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> so what happens in the final episode do
1: you? joe convinced herself it's an illusion not a scary worm or a monster and it works and the master's just like the fuck so meanwhile two more earth cargo ships have been destroyed so that's gonna totally start the war right Some Republicans on Earth are screaming about not giving in to terrorists. Joe is given some peanut butter to eat in her prison cell and decides to use the spoon instead of her fucking hands to dig out while the Earth expedition ship is now under attack so they hyperdrive away from it uh, to get away. Meanwhile, the doctor goes outside on a spacewalk to fix the damage, Uh, but the ship's coming back while the doctor's outside and he fixes it just in time before he goes back inside. Joe's gotten out of her cell, sneaking her way around, so it's now time for the ships to get closer to each other. But that repair might not hold from the heat. It's on fire. It, literally, we cut to it. It's on fire. While Joe now steals right. the fear box and tries the radio out, Earth's ship gets the signal, but they're already out of range, kind of. And then they are like, we'll be back around to hear the rest of it. But apparently, it's a trap, and the master wanted him to hear it. Radio only reached the doctor, though, so the master's leading him there. Time to put Joe back in her prison cell, and they think the beeping actually is a homing device for them. And then the doctor on the planet, they, like, get to the planet, and they mention there's a giant lizard thing on this planet that they don't want to meet. I didn't really understand that. It's in a quarry. But then the Ogrons are here, and they have a gunfight. Oh boy, but then a giant testicle comes up and attacks all the other Ogrons. Well, the doctor gets a call about his ward warranty expiring. And then the the Ogrons all run back inside scared, and we learn that the masters are coming? Their masters? Like the Ogron's masters? What does that mean? Well, the doctor uses his Tardis's tracking device uh, to find out where they are. Another weird ship is landing here, and the Doctor has this strange premonition before the Master comes up over the hillside and is like, sup, I brought friends, it's Daleks. Now everyone is captured, and the Master's like, let's not just exterminate him, let's torture him, and now everyone is in a jail cell, and the Draconian's like, what the fuck? Daleks would be the supreme rulers overall in the end of the war, so he has to start a war. Meanwhile, Joe still has the fear box, and the Doctor messes with it. Doctor is like, okay, earth pilot, draconian pilot, go back to your worlds, spread the word. And then also block all your senses while I turn this on. And then he goes over to the ogre and he's like, hey, what's up? I'm a Dalek. And he turns on the box and he's a Dalek. And then the ogre like, like, ah! and lets them out and runs away. And then the Daleks are headed out already. So the master is like, what the fuck? Why stupid tin cans? Wait, why are my prisoners gone? And then the Doctor and them look at art on the wall. For a weird moment while escaping, you know, as you do when you're in a rush. Look at art on the wall. And then everyone goes to head out, but the Master's in the TARDIS. Hey, it's good art. The Doctor sets off the box, which makes all the Ogrons freak out. Doctor gets shot in the head, but it kind of misses. Sort of, not really. And it's a weird cut. Then we get... Into the TARDIS, we push some buttons, it's time to go. Let's also send a telepathic message to the Time Lords, and then that's in the episode. So, that's right,
0: Daleks, it's not just the Master Plan number two, it's the Daleks Master Plan number two. That's right, the Daleks were behind all of this. That's right, we, 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 this is one big Dalek story. You thought they were gone, but they're back. And their voice is not as terrible as last time. Uh, Because, oh boy, it was. (laughs) Uh, the, the the Daleks' appearance in Episode 6 was kept an absolute secret, uh, for once. It wasn't accidentally leaked. Um, but, basically, the week, the, the following weeks after it was revealed, they had, like, a massive Dalek-based publicity campaign, uh, they had, like, a winner Dalek competition. Uh, supposedly it was won by a primary school children, who looked less than thrilled at being photographed with it, uh... Uh, the competition required entrants to think up a new story for the 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 Daleks to to be involved in something which, if we're honest, Terry Nation himself hasn't hadn't really thought of that much. Uh, he kind of stuck to the same story every time with Daleks and and never really did anything new with them, um, which is its own thing. Uh, also, th- from this book that I'm reading, the uh, the main author of this volume still insists that his entry was better than the winners. So. You know, shame, so yeah, we have the first chapter of this the the frontier in space over and done with, we now have uh the next chapter, yeah. planet of the Daleks mm-hmm. oh boy, that's right, they're back. what are they up to who knows i who knows i I, sh, knows? I, don't, I don't know do you, do you know what they're up to? I don't know what they're up to. um anyway, final thoughts, dear, on this episode, like a five yeah, a lot happens in it where it's like although there is the sort of joke of like the doctor and Joe are constantly in and out of like cells throughout the episode. It's, like, it's never a point of, like, they go out and are instantly just captured again. It's, like, they go out, something happens, they're able to do something, and then they're, like, put into a capture, and that actually affects the story. Like, you have, uh, Joe being captured by, uh, humans, and then the Doctor captured by the Draconians, and they're just, like, all you've served to do is make the other side think that we're working for them, when it's, like, not the case. Like, you both need to stop arresting us and let us fucking talk. Um... But yeah, it's it's it, it it's also there's also an argument to be made about this story being very much one of those stories that is a lot better when you don't binge it because it was meant to be watched once a week instead of you know one big two and a half hour uh, binge in a sense. Yeah. Um, but also we don't really have time for that, and the format of the podcast does not really work for that uh, because otherwise we. Would be here all week and podcast episodes would be like 10 minutes long and I wouldn't really be able to talk much about it because trivia would be fucking spoilers for the rest of the episodes in the thing so uh, hey. instead we watch it all at once um, I know you don't care about spoilers dear but I do um, yeah. so anyway next week Planet of the Daleks what planet is it? why are there Daleks on it? is it their planet? who knows? I know. I'm not telling you, though. Um, You'll have to find out next week, I guess. Uh, Bye. Bye.